Our bodies will seek the mountaintop. Our physical form will search for every canyon and stone to overcome. Foot by foot, inch by inch, we devour the challenge to the peak. But the mind, it has to dig down. She has to dig deep. Down into the bowels of the darkest corners of our weaknesses. Into the fray. Into the forest fire. That is desire and passion, but also dread and terror. Into the cracks that shake our foundation, our beliefs, our characters. And here, in these moments with dirt in our teeth and nails, is where we find ourselves and those around us. Ascension into greatness, legacy, and destiny will come from the desire to love the process of self-development, self-sacrifice, and hardships. Stone by stone, mountain by mountain, dream by dream, and moment by moment. Do not ask for anything else. Do not plead to the gods for the road less traveled, but instead, ask for more weight as you dig, dig and dig, fighting for your life, whispering it through the pressed lips, never going quietly into that good night. Not now, not ever. MDOP. And this is your host, MDLP. <laughs> Welcome to the Battle Axe Podcast, episode 25. 25. Ah, with my most handsome co-host, oh. Baron of the North, Johnny Banks. Hello. Hello, friends. Welcome back. I think we're doing great today. I have my mic on ultimate volume because I tend to drift away um, <laughs> when I talk, also when I drink, so whatever. Yeah, I knew that was an MDLP original. Yeah. Fucking I mean, knew it. <laughs> what? Yeah. Ah, damn it. it I had have a style now, apparently. Yeah, it had all the things behind it. Oh, this is very you mean overly emotional and dramatic <laughs> to cover up years of depression and anxiety in words? Yeah, that's uh, me. That's no, me. man, that's me. Nah, totally not that. Um, so shout out first to uh, everybody. Um, MedCBD, that's been a great uh, sponsor for the Battle Axe Gym. Um, you can always use discount code BATTLEAXGYM to get 15% off all CBD products. So shout out to them and keep it in family. One of our BV brother brother's brother works for them, and it's a Miami company. To the BV305, shout out to my family, all my bearded brothers out there who have done nothing but support us and BV around the world. So shout out to you guys. Cerberus USA, thank you very much for giving us everything and a good discount code again, uh, Battle. And last but not least, the Battle Axe Gym. Shout out to the clan and everybody that has given us support. Um, and White Claw, because they should sponsor us. So cheers. We have a live studio audience. Vinny's with us. Uh, the legend. And I'm going to start this show by saying what I think needs to be said. We are a platform, and this is the fl- platform that we created so that we can speak openly about everything. The world philosophies, politics, science, because strength is a virtue that should be used in everyday life. And this is the platform that I choose to speak openly about it. To all the black people out there that are going through some shit, we're with you because inequality is bullshit. We're not picking a side on good or evil. We know what good is. So everyone out there in La Huelga and in the right way, um, shout out to you guys. Fight on, man, for real. Um, Everybody using a good cause and a righteous cause to make money, and be a piece of shit, fuck you. Right, Good things should be used goodly, if that makes sense. And it should be done right. And it should be done righteously, without question. And it should be moving forward. Not picking apart the situation to make money and to fuck other people up. That's not 
what rebellion is and surely is not the way revolutions are kept. And I've studied that for years. So anybody out there is going through some shit, we've always been here. We're not going to shy away from dog shit. So the questions have been asked and we're going to be very open about anything we want because we created a platform to inform not only of our, of our opinions, but to give voices to people who don't have the ability to voice them. And this is the platform that we fucking created, the Battle Axe Podcast. So today we're going to get after it. <laughs> a little uppercut to the dick to start God. the day. You like that, boys? <laughs> I do. No, I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, so <clears throat> welcome. Yeah, right? We're going to start. I mean, we so we posted a thing. So a thing. Every five or six episodes, maybe even less, we love to open questions up. Oh, again, this always makes me like smile. Fans and listeners, which now we're in the thousands, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always follow us on at the Battle Last Podcast. And again, we're doing this not because we're trying to create some sort of commercial endeavor, but it's because we're really proud of what we do. And I'm, I, this is one of the few few platforms in my life where I'm genuinely happy doing it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I get we get out here and we're like, we need the and uh, we want to thank everybody who participated, asking great questions. Every few episodes, like I said, we open it up to listeners to ask questions. And this time we wanted something bigger than normal. And I think it's if you study the questions asked from previous episodes, which are typically strength, like how to increase a deadlift and overcoming injuries. And now we've gone, I think our listeners are growing with us and asking questions that are very in-depth and soulful and spiritual in a sense where I looked at some of these questions and I'm like, God damn, <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be a long day. I was hoping I it was going to be softer. I just, yeah, I was hoping it was like, what's your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> what's well, black and it's a shade, idiot. <laughs> Next question. Everything's darkness. Yeah, everything's black in here. Yeah, um, to be honest, you know, this podcast was not built for anyone. It was, it's kind of done selfishly. It was for ourselves to... Yeah. To kind of just speak and hope that people would listen. And now that people are listening, the whole podcast is carried by those listeners. Yeah, man. So every question, every response, every like, every repost, it, it gives us momentum to push forward and do this more and be better and grow. So without further ado. Let's get <laughs> so I want to start kind of small. Sure. Um, you know, we were talking on the last episode about the whole drama with Half Thor and, you know, basically getting just from an edited perspective, just getting wrecked by that video that yeah. Eddie Hall put out. But oddly enough, the response is not what I expected. Right. Um, he basically responded with, well, I'll never compete in Giants Live again, and I probably won't compete in World's Strongest Man again. Which is, so, and I, I think we had this, actually, we had this discussion when we stepped outside. Mm. Um and, of course, a lot of good conversations happen as soon as we turn off the mic. <laughs> uh, mostly the bad ones. Um, I just think, you know, I think he's okay to say that. I mean, he has, he might be just tired, man. Yeah. There's a lot of things that, I mean, look at us at the level of athletes that we are and how fucked up we can be. How about a person that dedicates every single second of their life for 10 years, 8 years, 12 years to one sport, the kind of damage that they are. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes privately. Yeah. If there's a doctor like, you're more likely better off getting punched in the face for 20 million for once a year than trying to beat your body up with, you know, food and drugs and a fucking thousand plus deadlifts. Mm. 
Um, it could also be very likely just a commercial move, you know, uh, not s- saying he's not going to compete allows him to save himself for whatever he's doing with the boxing situation. But it's a great way to make a comeback and generate yeah. that. And he, ha- he both of them, him and Eddie, have some really smart guys working in their corner as far as marketing, saying like, hey, man, like this is how we're going to make money the next five years. Yeah. OK, fight Eddie next year. Take like six months off. And then quietly say, I'm coming back and generate that steam and go for World's Strongest Man one more time or a new deadlift record and generate more money that way and then start getting into movies. I mean, he's been in a few movies already, but yeah, I don't, the term retirement is hard. Uh, I think the best in the world, when they say I'm retired, it's almost like you A, don't want to believe him and B, you can't believe him. Because it's just, I mean, it's just hard, and you know it, you know. Especially being such a corner piece of Strongman right Absolutely. now, when Strongman is really has probably the most momentum it's had in ever, maybe ever, yeah. I'm gonna say ever. And um, I almost thought that it would be interesting if, like, the boxing thing is gonna make the money. Yeah. I get it, yeah. but it would have been cool for one of them to be like, "All right, let's train for a year and have a solo." Strongman competition one on one. Oh wow! With just events and just let them fucking hammer at it That'd for be a so year. So cool, right? The strength is not too far off. Yeah, um, I'm sure Eddie would need to really get back to some of his training, but I think he would. If you motivated him enough, yeah. Again, yes, but he won't. Right? Why? There ain't you no money in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have to look at them in an aspect that they're they're just unreal. Yeah, and the risk it takes at that level, it's like, it's crazy internally, fucking. So yeah, man, it's smart. Like, a part of me is like, oh, it's so stupid. But like we said last time, these guys are looking money to put their kids through school and yeah. get the fuck out of this world with at least next twenty years set up. I mean, if you pay me a million dollars, I'm dead tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> because it's I've gonna had, be one I crazy night. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had about this. Typically three in the morning, like, bro, can you imagine what the fuck it would be if I had a, yeah, we would be tonight and we'd be dead. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Oh, we would be missed, which is most important. So they actually did a cool little um, strongman competition via Snapchat. That's right. I saw that. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I I thought it was going to be like a, I thought people only went on Snapchat for nudes. Yeah. What? what? Never heard of that. Nah, man. I'll find out. I'll find out. Let me Google that. <laughs> Let me Google what you just said. I think um, that's just kind of like a wave with the times. We're looking at what people are doing to, you know, fill this kind of isolation gap that we've been in. Yeah. You obviously, the stock of Snapchat has gone super high because people are staying home. They're finding creative ways to communicate and you know everything's more online now i mean work record breakers is on instagram and youtube that's true so i think it's relatively short-lived until we actually calm down as a world especially as a nation and start having like norm like when i mean normal like outside mm. like a camera but yeah i thought it was clever and i don't i wouldn't stop it i would i'm sure any kind of social media platform is going to absorb any type of action to allow their like the sport to spread to anybody on their couch. I mean, it's almost like a scary future um, where you can just sit on your couch and enjoy sports, but in everything instead of <laughs> going outside into like a gym or a powerlifting meet. But it's it's just something that I think is just a a quick echo of the times. Yeah, you know, like it's just hey man, we're stuck at home. Let's what about Snapchat? What about you know TikTok? Which is stupid. If you use TikTok, you're a Chinese spy. Shit. Shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's true, damn it. I hang out with SEAL Team Sace now. I don't know. You guys know, but I'm a special operative. But uh, but that's what I'm saying. It's just a, a quick echo. I don't think it'll last very long, especially Snapchat. It's not a really good platform for anything. Yeah. Uh, like that. Not that aspect. Sure. No. Well, are there any updates for the biggest and best strongman <laughs> competition in the world? In the uh, world. Um, so we had done a. I've been talking to the guys from CrossFit Kendall, uh, Paul and Dario, who have been nothing but very special, very patient. Um, we're all going through some shit. Um, and we are basically waiting for Miami Dade to not be such an asshole and <laughs> lock us down longer than everybody else in the state. Mm. And we're just trying to get, I guess, I don't even, it's funny to say this, but be allowed to hang out um, in, in groups of 50, 60 plus. As soon as those mandates and that kind of heat and that pressure comes off that, it's on. Now, I would like to have it between August and September to allow other shows like John's um, Summer Scorcher and to be before Nationals and to be plenty away from Florida Strongest, which always happens in December, that people can train for this and be okay for Nationals and still have that pride. Um, I think August is a great time. It's, it's not too bad inside CrossFit Kendall, but that's the idea. Yeah. Um, for the first time, it's out of my, like my control, but it's not canceled. We will figure out, even if it's just athletes, and we have to film it live stream mainly. Um, but that's my plan um, to keep give pe- people a chance to compete and to stay to stay big on the sport, man. I think people really, really, really want to compete. Yeah, and we want that 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 ambiance and that audience and that privilege to win something that has been stripped away by sort like powers outside of our control so it's happening and it's really just being respectful to crossfit kendall because shit man if they get in trouble for something i did i'm gonna i'm gonna hate myself yeah so we're not operating outside of the law in that sense because it's not on me we're just waiting for the mandates to go hey man you know yes there are people allowed at groups of 100 in gyms because yeah you can go to a bar that might be 60 people because it's a big bar but gyms are still being fucking hammered down still so we're we're kind of on that aspect but august september or late july august is what we're looking at prepare your anuses <laughs> and i is it and i if it's plural <laughs> i like to end things with the i if it's plural yeah anus. i do that like moose eye obviously <laughs> because everybody knows this is more than one moose yeah. yeah we can confirm that with paul stupid science canadians know. yeah i don't know, I don't know anything. <laughs> Canadians. so um obviously the climate of the world has been a little bit troubled. Oof. It's true. And I guess we'll start with home. Yeah. <clears throat> um, there's been some protesting in Miami. Um, I personally believe by all means you should be. Mm. You should be standing by people being held accountable when they do wrong. And if you've ever been in a fucked up relationship <laughs> yeah. with a person who cannot take responsibility for their actions, even when you prove to them that it's fucked up, then you know you gotta get the something needs to be done. Something's going down. Yeah. yeah. And um, so um, just with the protests, and I think it's a actually a good piggyback, the protests and then some of the, I guess, rioting or looting has really affected not only the country, but here in Miami. So what is your take on the two? So, um, great question. I didn't see that coming until today, to be honest. Um, 
I will always, <sighs> revolution is in my blood. I mean, the Colombian people, South, Ameri South American people have been fighting revolutions and currently forever. Um, I understand the concept of change. I understand the concept of violence and armed uprising. I spent a lot of my young life idolizing revolutions, revolutionaries, um, Lenin, Guevara, uh, these guys that would go after it, even Stalin to an extent. Uh, I loved Napoleon, Napoleonic history. I loved armed uprising. I thought it was the only way. I thought violence and acts of violence, in many ways swift and brutal, like Machiavelli would say, obviously make a statement. As I got older and I started to spread myself into other aspects of life, business owner, a family person, friends that I actually care about, I had to start to consider this from several aspects. I will always stand on the side of protest. I will always stand on the side of marching and speaking your voice, making signs, and to the point of literally out there screaming your fucking opinion out, get after it. I do understand that rioting or looting is a consequence of mass uprising. And I use the term consequence, uh, consequences relatively loosely, but descriptively. It happens. Just like if you put a bunch of police to stop protests, there will be viol police violence. It's just statistically going to happen. I cannot say, and I will not say, that breaking down and burning down businesses is a good idea. And I don't think it's fucking right. You can say, you can condone it, and you can say, yeah, man, I understand why. I also understand why a lot of things in history have happened. It doesn't mean I have to be okay with it. And you should be okay that I'm not okay with it because I'm not crushing your protest. You know, it, you statistically, I also know that those burning buildings and broken windows are a fragment of what really happened. 99% of the protests were relatively peaceful and nonviolent. And, of course, the media jumped on every single fucking video of people breaking a fucking window, and I get it. Right. Um, as a business owner, <laughs> if that was my business being broken into, I mean, come on. Whether that's your house, so we can always personalize these things. Sure. But I, this is how I see things and to, and to put it into perspective. And I always stand with Osho, who is a very uh, deep philosopher. There is a difference between revolution and rebellion. And I will stand to this concept until the day I die. Now that I've gotten older, this is how I see things. Revolution in its terminology is literally to rotate one thing and change it. You know, almost like a 180. You have to have an outside source. You either need people or guns or a movement or violence or wars you need outside sources to create this revolution which typically if you study the history of revolution it literally leads to other revolutions one revolution will never stop other revolutions not over time it creates another movement in its own terminology it just does this cyclical aspect of life over the years it just does one country comes up because they fought up and burnt up and that builds resent and so on and so forth. And you can study this in any country that has massive revolution. Just look at South America. And it's always an external source. Rebellion comes from within. And this is how Osho describes it. Not me personally, but I agree with it. Rebellion comes from within. It comes from accountability and it comes from changing yourself first. If you feel that burning a building down is changing you from within, okay. Get after it. Statistically, probably impossible. Protesting, hugging, voicing your spirit, putting up signs, standing up for yourself. These are all signs of inner reflection. That is rebellion. 
That's what makes you a rebel. And I will stand up for you, and I will fight for you until the day I die. Rebellion comes from within. It comes from a place deep down of introspection. It comes from self-change. And everyone loves to post, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm. That comes from within. That is a sign of being a rebel. You don't have to have a cause to lead a rebellion. You just have to love from within, and people will see that within you, and they want to be a part of that. And I figured this out in my life in my 30s. I swear to God, if this was in my 20s, I would have like burned everything down. It's mm. just a casualty of war. <laughs> so delicious. Just, yeah, you can't get an omelet without breaking some eggs. You know, <laughs> fuck you. And yeah. I studied them all. I studied all the isms. I was hard into that, and I love that shit. Fighting in war and coming from Colombia, where we are broken to pieces from revolution, like real revolution, mm-hmm. or revolutionaries. And I did a quotation mark. But rebellion comes from within. It's the voices. It's what we do when we train. We ask ourselves questions. And I will I will stand by that. I think not that revolutions don't uh, get things done or change. But what we need to have is a rebellion. People need to look inwardly first. Ask themselves the hard questions. Set the buildings on fire in your soul and see how that feels and what we need to do to change. We, both of us, all of us, I've sat down in the current climate and asked ourselves real questions. What the fuck have we done? And if you feel guilty, well, now is the time to change inwardly, not outwardly. Not to point fingers at your friends and your families, but to point the finger at yourself and be like, what can I do? Mm. And I will stand by that. And I I know, and I really get it. Some people are going to hear this and be like, fuck that guy. Well, fuck me then, man. But I've been looking inwardly my whole life because I'm trying to figure myself out every fucking day. But I have no guilt, and neither should we. We need to ask these questions that are hard, and that's what I'm going to stand by. If mm. you're going to outwardly express your anger and, 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 and break buildings down and hurt others, and you're looking for revolution, take a second and understand what the difference is between being a reactionary, a revolutionary, and being a rebel. And I will live and die by a rebel cause if you look at it in the sense of Osho. And I, I challenge you guys to look that up, how Osho states from revolution to rebel. Elliot Hoss actually posted something about that really, really good. Um, and I challenge you guys, I, I do, to take a different perspective and to look inwardly and see how that changes. In fact, you posted, Oof. picking sides blindly is a sign of immaturity. Picking signs with a purpose is a sign of experience. Uniting signs, sides is a sign of mastery. Um, one thing that's a great post, I definitely want to know the inspiration for that, although I think it's kind of clear. But <clears throat> I think that without that inward look, as you said, and also learning to hold yourself accountable for the things that you did not do. Right. Which is hard. Which is so fucking hard. And... and it's funny because I posted that weeks ago before mm-hmm. any of this. Yeah. Because I was really, I was looking at myself. When I was young, I just picked whatever side I thought it was the badass side. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Yeah. And then I got older and I thought, well, if you're in the gray area, you're a pussy. So pick a fucking side. Like mm-hmm. you can't be gray. It's black or white. 
Mm-hmm. I've been through too much shit. I've seen so many things, and I've seen so many people get fucked over. You have to be left or right. It doesn't matter. And I got older, and I'm like, and I, I know I expect to grow a little bit longer, but well, <laughs> I can't stand alone. Like, when I look at people unite people, I'm like, that guy and that girl, those are masters. Those are those are leaders. Those are warriors. They're not. You're not sitting there um, clapping for the guy that just picked one side. I'm like, show me the person that can unite an army or unite two people and make them shake hands or have a beer and laugh. I'm like, wow, mastery. <laughs> yeah. And I posted that because I was just thinking at myself. I'm like, that's what I strive to do. Picking sides, yeah, sure. But imagine bringing people together from all walks of life. I'm like, that's the whole fucking point. And then suddenly it just it makes po- it makes more sense now. Yeah. But to be quite honest with you, I had posted that before all of this. It's just because that's how I think. That's how I've always thought. I really think that with age comes understanding the responsibility of listening more and saying less. Yep. And I think that if you're making your decisions uh, for whatever side you're on based on your side only and you're never giving the other side the chance to speak, you are fucking up and missing out. And... <laughs> You're absolutely right. And the reason why you have to say less is because you've done more. If you truly age the right way. And obviously I've had a lot, less like all of you guys, man. I see some posts and I want to fucking, like I want to, <laughs> but I'm like up to one point. Yeah. I'm like, what am I really truly doing here? Yeah, you. I think to unite sides, you do have to pick some sort of things you're going to stick with. Sure. There has to be some sort of base of your character. You can't be completely chameleon. <coughs> but what are you going to do with those choices? What are you going to do with these statements? And shit, man, just like everybody else here in this room and everybody else listening, there's a lot of things going on there that piss me off, but there's so many good things out there. And let's push f- people together towards that side, together. Um, and use your columns of confidence and courage and purpose and character and use those things to be like, let's let's meet let's meet somewhere in the middle, man. Mm-hmm. And that's just my point. That's what been my whole point with this whole situation. And knowing people from all walks of life, and I'm gonna stand here the whole time and just be a fucking rebel, man. To the, to the fucking day I go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes more sense now because people were when somebody when I was young, uh, I was very young, maybe twenty. And some lady goes, you're just a rebel without a cause, huh? And I thought that was the coolest thing, not knowing. <laughs> you're you talking, know? well, now yeah. it's offensive as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck you, but man. But then like, I'm like looking at the Osho, and he's like, yeah, you don't have to have a, re- a cause to be a rebel. And I'm like, yeah, I wish <laughs> I would have known that then. And I'd be like, look, lady. <laughs> oh, man. Read a book. Yeah. Yeah, do you know... I want to dive into these questions. Yeah, let's go. Um, we have so many great ones. Fuck. And... So this may come a little, uh, like, from every direction. That's what she said. Oof. Wow. I'm, I'm also grabbing the mic in a foul. <laughs> <laughs> it's the grip. It's grip training. That's what it is. <laughs> Those mics are huge. No, it's we're huge. Okay, yeah, you're right. We're huge, yeah, so the right. mics look small. Yeah, I told myself that. That's it. If I didn't I have these so. big thighs, <laughs> it would look so huge. Huge. Um, so I'm just going to kind of bounce around because after uh, in no particular order. I don't want people to feel like I'm favoring. So um, let's see. I like this question. So we'll do Lexi's question because I think it's great. 
Can you touch on the difference between motivation and discipline? While motivation is usually a good thing, would you say that being disciplined is as or more important? What drives you when outside stimulus, your motivation fades? What do you do when no one is looking? It's a good question, and I've talked about this a few times, but the reason why I like being asked similar questions more than once is because the answer grows. It doesn't change. It, it grows. And let me let me dive into that. I love the concept of farming. I've always said that, you know, plant a seed. And I mean that in the sense of all around you, philosophically, mentally. Motivation is an external source. Like 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 planting. You have to find your motivation. You have to plant these seeds by saying to yourself that this is your motivation, whether it's a song or a family member or an experience or something that matters to you. You plant it. You cultivate it. You know, your mom, you know, you take care of her. You speak to her. Um, you know, this particular song that really makes you, it's emotional. There's a connection. Uh, being the best in the world. These are all your motivations, external sources that are pushing you forward. You, you you plant these seeds so that when one dies, the other one starts to grow, and when that one cultivates fruit. And it's this constant concept of always identifying anything to be motivating, that breath of fresh air in the morning because you're alive, or the smile of one of your family members or a child. You're like, that's, that's motivation. And you plant that seed, and it grows, and it grows over years. And some of them never die. Some of them just cultivate into something very special. And then there's discipline. Discipline is from within. It is deep down inside, and it's it's a little bit harder, and it's not necessarily like farming per se, maybe like mining. And it's it's chipping away. It's finding diamonds in the dirt, and it takes work, and it takes sacrifice, and it takes turmoil and loss and isolation. And in those processes, you're going to become very tough, and you have to use that concept in in alignment with motivation, which is a little bit softer and it's a little bit more giving and it's a little bit more understanding and it's those things that you need to balance out to be a true warrior. You must understand those are tools. Those are, as much as it's important to mine diamonds, you must mine fruit and vegetables and grain. Those are very valuable things like iron and ore. Those things that are both very valuable but two different sides of life and they're both as valuable so you know i've said it before you know everyone's all about discipline over motivation discipline <laughs> discipline I'm like that's not even wise because you have two of the most powerful things in the world and you're not using them to both their capacity and it's important it's important to use and there's going to be times where you're getting more fruit than you are diamonds mm. and there's going to be times when you're getting more diamonds than you are fruit you're going to need discipline sometimes more than motivation. And sometimes discipline's too cold and it's too hard and it's too self, it's too self-critical and you need something to, to make you happy. And it could be just a stupid fucking song on the way to the gym. Mm. That's not discipline. That's motivation because it nurtured you. And that's the way I see these things, the balance, not necessarily one or the other. It's these things will show themselves if you're looking hard enough, if you had planted them, if you had mined deep enough. If there's a bunch of external sources and you can't find the motivation, then you need to start planting more seeds. And it could be just as lucky as you wake up in the morning and you feel your feet on the cool floor of your tile house with the AC in the greatest country in the fucking world 
kudos to you, bro. There's your motivation right there. <laughs> you, could you consider the relationship be the two almost symbiotic? Like have to be. Yeah, one yeah. has to draw from the other. I I wouldn't know if the one draws from the other, but they can certainly exist cohesively. Mm. You know, I don't think discipline would have to draw from motivation, but I think as a person in the middle, you can use both of them equally or unbalanced but they can exist equally i don't think they have to mix into each other yeah i feel like to start your travel with discipline you would be drawing from motivation to start until you build a path i can also say that i would need discipline to see with the motivation Mm. you can't plant seeds without discipline that's right well said it's like yin and yang you know what i mean like they can they really exist perfectly um and and that should that should keep you pretty busy <laughs> if you really think about if it. If you really take the time to think about and, it. And, you know, like I said, some days are a lot worse than others, and some days are fucking all motivation, and you're, like, on the best day in the world, and some days you're tired as shit, and you got to dig deep. Yeah. I know I'm that. good about that one. God damn it. You're not even... Okay. Every time. I didn't even plan for these. <laughs> it's it's a... Uh, these guys really threw some great shit. For real, us. man. It's fucking pissing me off. Next time, dumb it down, folks. Dumb it down. So, <clears throat> there's a... Uh, Nikki had a good question, too. I think that's not too far off from motivation and discipline. Um, what is your advice on how someone can practice their uh, mental health slash strength day to day? So, I'll go off by saying that a lot of people who are speaking about mental health and the strength world... Um, are making some great progress. Not everybody. I think some people need to shut the fuck up. But um, mental health is a slippery slope. And we all deal with it. I'm going to go say that mental health needs to be approached with patience and need to be approached with a little bit less uh, self-criticism. How do you deal with mental health daily? It is like everything else that matters to you. You build tools and you build a cognitive approach to understanding why. Just like an injury. When you hurt your back or you hurt your knee, you don't do things that hurt your knee. But we don't treat our mind like that. So if something gives you anxiety, it's not that you have to avoid it. It's that you have to manage it. If you have a bad knee, you still have to go downstairs. You can't just skip the stairs. You have to say to yourself, I can make it down the stairs if I do it this way. If I grab onto the railing, if I breathe harder, if I use my left leg more than my right leg, you get down the stairs and you're like, I made it down the stairs. That this is progress. I could do it. It's not like it used to be, but I made it. And now I can go about my day. That is how you deal with, in my opinion, when you start to deal with mental issues. You have to build your tools. You have to build your resiliency. You have to build the confidence in yourself to use yourself to get after these particular tasks. And... That's how I see things. Like a lot of a lot of people will look at me and they're like, "Oh yeah," and they ask me questions and they're really relatively shocked. I'm like, I deal with anxiety and depression and self doubt and really dark things all the time, every day. I am a very troubled person. I'm I've never closed a book on that, and I have a lot of issues, and uh, it's hard every day. And I have a bunch of things that people deal with, um, you know, and I have to identify them and say, well. Let's say like over the like, like last couple of weeks, maybe I was really down. And I'm like, okay, well, my knees hurt, quote unquote, of my soul. Um, how am I going to get up in the morning? Well, 
put your feet down first and brush your teeth. And then I brush my teeth, and I'm like, oh, shit, man, you know, like, it's a new day, isn't it? And then I'm like, okay, so I, I did get up and brush my teeth. Like, that's a step forward. I'm like, well, I took control of myself. I did it. I did it. I, let me write this down inside. I'm like, one step closer. And then I go downstairs, and I turn on the kitchen light, and I'm like, I'm in my own kitchen. <sighs> I'm in, I, I did this. I'm going to make food. And in the process of this, I'm showing myself that step by step, I am moving in a particular direction of my choice, that I'm not staying in bed. I told myself that I could. And you know why? Because I did it the day before. And I remind myself, like you can go down those stairs with your bad knee, that I'm in a particular progress of control, that I am making these decisions, and that I'm not slipping away, that I'm not letting go, that people depend on me, that people love me. And I, t- I say it out loud. It's not so bad, man. And these are tools. These are tools like your pickaxe and your shovel and your wrist wraps and your belt and your shoes. These are tools to remind yourself that you're cultivating a diamond within. And that this time it's about discipline, not motivation, because when you're down, there is no motivation. It's very far away. Fruit is, you know, withered away. The plants are dead. So you have to mine within the dig down, right? And you tell yourself how to do it in step by step, like you would into the deadlift. And those are day-to-day tasks when you have mental health issues because you can't run away with them. You manage them. Depression's not going anywhere. Neither is suicide. Neither is bipolar disorder. Nothing. Anxiety is not going anywhere. How do you manage it? Some days it's kept in a box and sometimes it's bigger than your whole house. But you manage these things with realism and tools. And that's how I've done it for myself. Verbally and on and writing how I've done it day-to-day. Build those tools. Remind yourself that you have done a lot harder in your life than get up from bed. Beautiful. Um, just to uh, piggyback on what you said, with the people, a lot of people addressing their mental health and stuff. Just because you've addressed your mental health <coughs> does not mean you get to use it as an excuse. Oof. Stop telling people that's the way you are, especially when you're telling everyone that you've identified your problem. It's bullshit. My advice on attacking your mental health every single day is understanding that the good days are still days that need to be worked on. The days where you don't feel in the mud are the days that you got to work just as hard so that you can turn that one good day into two or three or four. And then you're more prepared for a setback, which is ultimately going to happen. That's how people with you know, their mental health issues work. That's never, your lifetime is never great from here on out. Absolutely right. So. On the good days, work harder, man. <laughs> fucking A. And you never know when you get another chance to work that good. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Cry. No, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> we might. Right into these kids. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so we can, you touched on a little bit on injury here. So I'll go to Rebecca's question, which is, what is your advice to an athlete who emotionally lifts after an injury? And what have you done through your years of training to prevent failure or disappointment? So there's a lot in that question. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, lifting emotionally is dangerous, but maybe that's not what, what, they, what she meant, is maybe dealing with your emotions while you're lifting is what I think she meant. Um. I'll be straightforward. Lifting after injury is very difficult. 
of real injury. And you're going to have to deal with that the rest of your life. That's it. Uh, unfortunately, being young is one of the greatest things ever for an athlete. And getting old is the hardest thing. <laughs> like when you watch Ronnie Coleman's interview with Joe Rogan, it's like, man, it sucks getting old. It's like getting old is the worst thing for an athlete, period. Mm. It's just hard. There's nothing easy about it. Nothing. It gets, you have to do more work. And most of the work that you do is not cool at all. Um, but to be realistic, the emotions that you deal with, remember that a lot of the emotions that you're feeling have been earned. And you have to remind yourself that there is a life that you can live where you will never feel fear or doubt or anxiety or, or depression or self-doubt, self-criticism, and that your armor will always be super shiny and unrusted and unbroken. And you can live your life smiling the rest of your life knowing that you never challenge yourself. And there is a certain happiness in that ignorance. And for the rest of us that decided to push the limit and hurt ourselves on purpose, obviously, in a sense, that that is a certain path that comes with its own beautiful things that contrast the same feelings of doubt. It comes with courage, bravery, self-confidence. It comes with passion and a rage that is beautiful. And it only comes through pushing your body to a place where no one will ever know where you were, only yourself. So when you start to think, fuck, man, I'm broken. I'm like, well, I'm broken for a fucking reason because I tried, because I dared, because I'm different. Not because I'm trying to be like somebody that's different, because I simply am. I'm being authentic, which is an, a process that goes unseen if it's done correctly, like being humbled. We spoke about this on the way here. You simply are, and if it's in your spirit to try, and in that trying, you broke, and now you're broken, be happy, because you have lived a life that is worth those scars. So the next time you approach that barbell, like, be proud of yourself. Yeah, man, your fucking knee hurts, but because it hurts because you did this before, and you've done big things, and you will develop incredible stories, and you will be a greater teacher and a greater person because you've overcome these things. They never go away. That fear, that doubt, that, that voice, you learn to manage them, to live with them, like living with your demons or sitting with an old friend. And they become your company eventually. And I think that's important. And as far as moving forward, preventing failures, there's no such thing in this world. And there's no remedy for preventing that. There's nothing in this world that you can drink, take, read, or say or write that will ever stop you from making mistakes and failing. None. And thank God. Because I never want to stop fucking up. Never. I have come across the greatest people in my life in the biggest mistakes of my life. And I have learned to be an entirely different man because of the massive fuck-ups I've done in my life. And I would never, ever, ever wish time upon anyone ever to take that away. Ever. Mm. Um, and, you know, <laughs> to be personal, that spine injury, which is still, you know, uh, very hard. I just fucking retweaked my back a few weeks ago and I'm kind of going through it now and haven't, haven't really lifted in like two weeks. That's the biggest failure and mistake in my life was hurting my spine. The, the worst. But look at, look at the value that has come from that. And I wouldn't change that for the world. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, it'd be great to have that, whatever. So there's nothing you can do to stop that. And you shouldn't wish for that ever. And yeah, it's easy to say that when you're not hurt or whatever. But honestly, truthfully, everything will pass. And you will come out bigger for it if you just accept the reality that those failures and those bumps and those mistakes 
will make you into the baddest motherfucker ever. Because I have sat down with goody goodies that make me want to vomit with boredom. I'm like, have you ever fucking, have you ever dared? Like, have you ever just done something different? Like, tried? Well, you know, I'm like, God, that's terrible. Yeah. And that's the kind of the life that I, I, I think a lot of us in this community maybe not be able to live that in society, but we do it in sports. Sport is our act of rebellion. Absolutely. Yeah. That was <laughs> wow. Damn. Take that quote. Rebel Spark. Yes. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, you know, <coughs> you're starting to get a lot of coaches that are close to you. Yep. And uh, I would say, what would be your advice to those coaches that are going to have to coach their athletes through these types of injuries that can ultimately change them forever? That's a good question. Um, I would say if you're not prepared to coach an athlete through injury, A, you're not a coach, and fuck off. If you're not prepared to pick up your athlete when they're in shambles and crumbles and, and broken, you're not a coach. You are just a trainer, and you need to understand the difference. That means you haven't developed your craft enough to pick somebody up from the bottom. And I think that's an insult to the craft. It's an insult to the terminology. I'm not saying you have to be a fucking professional PT guy, but you should certainly have a game plan or connections or an understanding of where they should go. Mm. Um, I would advise to anyone who's coaching right now and doesn't understand how to deal with an ACL tear, a labrum tear in the shoulder, abdominal strains, hamstring strains, and have not only words of encouragement, but a game plan for it, or at least somebody who they should go to, you need to rethink your craft and what you're doing with the people underneath you who are th- literally giving their bodies to you and their like and their livelihood in some cases. But I tell the coaches that are doing this is to be as passionate as about uh, about growth in your athlete as stopping them, because stopping them in certain things is actually produces a bigger sense of growth than anything else. And you have to manage and know each individual athlete, not because that's your quote unquote style, but because each individual person has their their techniques and their their strengths and you have to learn them going forward and that will develop and be a lot better in preventing injury than anything else so dealing with athletes when they're hurt is probably the most difficult thing in the world because you're so personally involved it's heartbreaking but if you can't handle that you're in the wrong fucking business so don't coach them like you coach yourself coach them like they need your coaching words of confidence a game plan, a path, understanding of the injury, and be very, very, very involved. I don't care if you're one year in or 10 years in. I've seen miraculous coaches that are kids. that I'm like, Jesus, man, you're going to be great. And I've seen coaches in their 40s that are dog shit. Mm. So it really comes down to the passion and the respect for your craft and the responsibilities that you carry when somebody decides to call you coach. And then digging deep and understanding all the aspects of making that athlete grow, which a lot of times is telling them to stop. Well, there you fucking have it. Fuck. I, Shit. I feel good today. It's funny because I've been All right, guys, have a good day. It's been fun. I had to pee for the last 45 <laughs> minutes. So I'm just fucking getting after it. Urination is motivation. God. It's a new shirt. These claws are stupid. <laughs> um, so just to piggyback on some of our coaching questions, uh, what are some of the greatest lessons you've learned as a coach? Let's try to do three. I know you love three. Three lessons I've learned as a coach? Three greatest lessons you've learned as a coach. Oh. Everything ends. 
and I need to I didn't learn that as hard as until I was coaching um, because I've seen people's personalities and careers if you want to call them that um, simply break down and just end or just stop lifting and also you lose that client and that lifter and it hurts sometimes and sometimes it doesn't but also the better I get as a coach the more I start to see my days as an athlete dwindle away and that's like probably the most horrible thing in the world but at the same time it's the most beautiful gift I've ever gotten just like I said I would never uh, take that away from anything or anyone or myself everything does end and that's important because as a co- I tell you what, seeing it as a coach hurts more than feeling it as an athlete. Because you feel it as an athlete, it's very it comes from a selfish place. But when you see it from a coach's perspective, it comes from a selfless place, which hurts. Like when you see that lifter finally go, I can't do this anymore. You're like, fuck. You know, they're getting to where I was and I hate it. Um, number two, um, <laughs> and ultimately it's that Patience, it really comes from sacrifice. Um, I have learned my deepest patience from giving everything. Not from stopping myself, but from giving, like, deeply. Like that little meme where it's that dude with the blocks giving himself to his athlete. That's where I learned patience because if I'm not patient, if I'm not patient, I'll crumble and I'll break. And what kind of leader would I be? And I've learned patience that patience takes true self-sacrifice, genuine, heartfelt Give, 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 but it comes from a good place. That's where you learn patience. You have to give slowly and genuinely and, and with a heart. And if I'm not patient, and I would just simply crush myself, and then both of us are down. <sighs> and the last one, because <laughs> there's a bunch, I would say, if I had to pick a last choice as far as learning from coaching, it's probably to really love the process and i know that this is so fucking cliche and it's used so many fucking times but as an athlete you're blind to this because it's about win 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 damage like crush people forward war drums and ah, let me loose but as a coach it's like don't do that slow down hey man you had a good day last week so fucking and that has helped me as an athlete more than anything else in the world Telling other people and having the fucking luxury of teaching others, hey, man, but you can lift, can't you? Like, you, you're you still here. Mm-hmm. And you you have courage, and I've seen it. And I've seen you go through hardship. You're going to be okay. The fact that you can get up and get after it speaks volumes. The fact that you're here. And me saying it has taught me a valuable lesson that it, it is truly the process of training and bettering yourself that is an eternal consistently giving process that's going to make you fall in love with not only yourself which is the most valuable thing on the fucking planet but fall in love with what you're doing and that is how you need i've only learned that truly from coaching athletically too blind mm. i was a wild i'm a wild animal when i'm an athlete I'm like, fuck you i want to win <laughs> now i'm like oh you know look at florida's i took fourth and i'm like hey, not fucking bad <laughs> one of my guys beat me i only did it by close but he's somebody i look up to and I had a great time, and I came back from major injury, and this is that. I'm like, ah, yeah. Four years ago, I would have fucking thrown everything. I would have fucking fuck you. I would have gone. I got wasted anyways, but that's because I'm a wild animal. <laughs> kicked out of a bar in Orlando. Um, <laughs> you know, I've been kicked out of Orlando yeah, a bunch of times, right? Because they're, they're soft. Are, yeah, yeah, they're soft. No, no, they're weird. Not the same. 
kicked out for anything. Ah, fuck. But I think I'm banned from a Hooters, actually. <laughs> <laughs> How that happened. What? Apparently, uh, my terms have been appropriate. Way different from theirs. Yeah, which is weird. It's an Orlando thing. And it's a Hooters. Um, but yeah, that 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 is 100% what I feel. Yeah, so, excellent. All right, so I forgot to say the name uh, before I read the question. So, Elke, thank you very much. Great question. Yeah, that was good. Appreciate you. Um, we're going to move on to Bjorn Kensley. Yeah, my buddy from uh, the UK. Wow, Bjorn. Shout out to you, brother. Bjorn's the best character next to Ragnar. Ragnar is always going to be the best. The best. The best. Stop watching it. I love when he would hit you with that little smirk and you don't yeah. know if he's going to murder you or be your friend. <laughs> like, fuck. What is it that God's want? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. I go, shit. This is where I get killed. How do you manage the responsibility and pressure of being a beacon to other people, boys and men specifically? (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Well, first of all, I really, okay, so I struggle with this. I, um, I just do. I don't know. Like, this is probably one of the few things. It probably comes from a place of like self-doubt and self-loathing why I just fully can't accept the fact that people see me in this aspect, but it doesn't mean I don't accept it. Um, a lot of times when you're doing good, you let the negatives and things you've done bad or are doing bad in your life completely overshadow the goodness that is in, that is in you, that is you, and that is coming outwardly. That's how I am. I have a morbid sense of a perspective. I can be very, very negative at times, and you know I can do 90 good things, and if I do one bad thing, I'm like, oh, I don't know why you're seeing me this way. That's where my that's my honest statement, um, and I struggle with this. And I, when I term I mean struggle, it doesn't mean I don't want it. I like to struggle. I never want to be in a position ever where I just simply see, yeah, I'm a beacon of light because I'm fucking awesome. I never want to be like that. That makes me sick. I think I'll 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 lose myself. So I'm happy that I struggle with this. And it doesn't come from, I'm not purposely struggling. I just really do. And they're like, Mike, man, you're such an inspiration. I'm like, ugh. God. Do you know what I did yesterday, you yeah, fucking like, idiot? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's been up my nose? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, um, and I say people, and the way that I manage that, if you, under, if you want to, is I see it in a perspective of where would I be if somebody took that way out with me when I was growing up? What if Wes did that, my father and my young, my brother when he was younger? What if they opted out not being a lighthouse? What if they shut down their light? What if they left me? What if, you know, my mother stopped being the way she was? And why certain friends in my life simply just closed their borders to me and shut off their shores? Where would I be as a boat, as a vessel in this world? I'd be lost. I have the characteristics of being a very great person and also being a murderer. <laughs> it is typically the way. Um, you know, and I was I was talking to I got to hang out with some special forces guys recently. Uh, shout out to SEAL Team Fucking Six and all the motherfuckers out there being out in the military. Shout out to you guys who have maybe just not enough respect in the last few months because of what's going on. But you guys are out there, man. Shout out to my boys and girls that are out there fucking shit up. Mm. And I sat there and I I remember talking to one of my friends' son. I go, your dad would probably be in jail if it wasn't for the special forces. And I go, in fact. A lot of these guys would either be in jail if it wasn't for guidance. And it hit me. I'm like, yeah. You know, each one of these um, soldiers have had a lighthouse or a mentor that didn't shut their light off for them 
and I'll fucking a weird or the pressure that it makes me feel, the responsibilities, and the, I have to live longer now and take care of myself, and the second guessing the the certain things that I do because I'm like, well, man, if you do this way, you're gonna shut your lighthouse down for not one and not two, but dozens of people that look to you for guidance, even if it's what not to do. I mean, what what kind of task would that be? What kind of man would you be if somebody did that to me? And that's how I deal with it. It's just reminding myself of who uh, the others that came before me mm. that did it for me and how I should do it for them so that hopefully, and I always say that in the, th- the term of paying it forward, that they shine bright for others. Because a, a, a lighthouse doesn't just shine for one person. It doesn't just shine for one boat. Everybody uses that lighthouse to see the shores. And well that's said. it's not so much about managing of course, that's a good terminology, but I like to put it to myself as I have no choice mm-hmm. because I know that the men and women that I look forward to also saw it that way. Mm-hmm. And they didn't see it as an ultimatum or or a burden per se, but as a gift. <laughs> Nailed it. Fuck. I definitely think that that's a, a challenge. And I think that's what brings us a lot together too is we both come from that similar uh aspect of like not me yeah yeah um yeah i've had a pretty good opportunity to become a leader within bv and uh you know it transcends bigger than our club because our club is considered you know a club that leads you get them right (laughs) and uh and you've been there you've seen it you you know it's a it's something that is overwhelming you know even just to be wearing our shirt and and you know you you how people come up to you and go i know who you are like (laughs) what wait what um, yeah. You're John, right? I'm like, I've seen it. In <laughs> yeah. LA, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what I remind myself is is that we all come from the same dirt. Mm. And I was able to crawl and get to my feet a little bit further or a little bit faster. And in doing so, I made sure that I was able to turn around and pull people out of being in the same dirt that I was in. And I try to make that my focus. I try to not let anybody uh, sink and that is my motivator to continue to to be that uh, leadership role for for the brothers in BV. Oddly enough, people ask me questions with training. I hate that. Stop that. Please stop. I know Message that. him now. I don't want to do anything but just be a fucking athlete. Stop asking me questions. <laughs> You're lucky. And it, 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 this conversation reminds me of something I said and I came up with a long, long time ago. And I say it all the time. Is that the only way I stood on the shoulder of giants is by tying their shoelaces first. That's one of my favorite ones. Fucking so good. Write that down, man, because it's true. Yeah. You know, and it's not about idolizing people. It's just by accepting that they are giants. I mean, you need you need it. Yeah. You need to look at somebody and 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 have a you do a realistic relationship with goal setting and 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 it only comes from looking from within. Sure. Like you only reason when you understand that you need somebody is when you realize by looking from within and you're like somebody i need help all right you right right <laughs> i'm gonna go too personal i'm gonna do Oof. one for you and then one for me oh yeah because i got a rare question yeah. for me me i always just force my way in there like you know about me yeah idiots <laughs> shut the show off bro we're done <laughs> um so north strongman um he says for the podcast and what he means is michael de la Pava. <laughs> how could you train safely when you have bulging discs, pinched nerves, he's asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. <laughs> um, I said you should always. I would say you should always train safely. Period. If you have bulging discs and uh, disc dysfunction or spine dysfunction, 
it is about doing your homework. Mm. It's about being um, being disciplined to that task of not forgetting your big three, of moving safely, pristinely, doing your walks and doing your, your day-to-day as far as depositing money into the account. So meaning do these things so that you can withdraw. Um, you have to be very mindful of the movements, understand where your pain triggers come from. If you're, you know, flexion, uh, shear or extension, etc., understand what movements cause the highest amount of those and then diminish them in your in your training, like barbell rows for me are just not the best thing for me. Um, and then start to develop that and also understand that you're going to have relapses. Like you're going to get hurt again in your back. You are. And you're more likely to suffer a little longer than your average person because you have this dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Just like people with knee surgeries, when they tweak their knees, they're out for like six weeks. Yeah. Because they have so much knee issues. Um, so there's a lot of ways you can train that. And I think that it, it'll be safe. And um, the term safe is really comes from putting in your homework. You know, you, you have to, in times of peace, prepare for war. That's where safety comes from. Huh. So if you're not if you're not doing your due diligence on your time off, which is what I'm doing now on a personal level, like I said, I'm very open with my injuries. It's funny because somebody fucking, a lot of people think I'm hurt all the time. It's not that I'm hurt all the time. It's that I'm fucking vocal about shit. Yeah. You know, because I said when I was coming up in the game and I love these, all these people that nobody was hurt. I'm like, how the fuck? And then I got into the position. I'm like, I'm always hurting. <laughs> and it's just because they don't want to talk about it because they yeah. don't want to be pussies. I'm like, yeah, but you're not really helping anybody. Mm. I talk about like, I just retweaked my back. Yeah, man, I'm not okay. Like I have nerve pain. Shit's going numb. I just had a fucking thing. So I talked to Brian because I get in this like PTSD shit. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm fucked forever. You know, like you can't help it. Yeah. And I'm like, I know what to do. I just need to do it. Um, and you get in these aspects of, of of understanding where you're going with these injuries and being serious with yourself. But things happen. And it's because I probably didn't do my due diligence in, in, in my time. I didn't walk enough. I didn't do my two times a day bird dog. I got up to 265 thinking it was great. My spine was like, yeah, bro, not really. And here we are. I'm paying the price. So yeah. what do you do in times of peace, which is now I'm taking a month or two off. And I somebody asked me this one time. And I, I laughed. They're like, oh, how do you feel about taking time off? I go, if you look at history, all warriors took time off. And, you know, if you want to look at it realistically, it's in times of winter. You can't wage war in the winter. So you know what you do in the winter? You tend to your family. You tend to your injuries. You practice your craft. You take time off. Because for them, war was life or death. It wasn't a PR. It wasn't cute like us. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like getting a bicep vein and be like, oh, my God, vascularity. Oh, fucking sick skin. sick bicep yeah. vein. Yeah, I do. You do too? Yeah. Oh, wow. and, um, yes. But it came from preparing for war. Mm. And I have to, I, I remind myself of that. And so do your due diligence and you'll be safe. Mm. Man, I feel good about that one. Yeah, Fuck. Yes, everything, everything today is just hitting on all cylinders. Yes. Um, so this question actually has a question for me and you from Austin who... Oh, that was a good one. It's a legend. Love that. Well, he's a little young to be a legend. Get the fuck out of here. No, just kidding. But he's going to be, and uh, I'm going to love it. Sweet boy. When, he's, when he becomes Great a legend. Great hugger. He, oh. When he becomes a legend, mm. first round's on him. Yeah. Done? He owes that to us. Yeah, at least two, five rounds. 50 rounds. Right, 50 rounds. 50 rounds, Austin. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so you good. can pay that off in monthly increments. Uh, such a good young man. <laughs> he's great. Uh, question for Mr. Banks. Um, that's me. I don't it's know you. if you've been listening, but that's me. Um, what plans do you have to grow the influence of the podcast? Any potential guests from outside the athletic world possible? 
Uh, well, I can say that that's a great question. Um, in terms of growth for the podcast is all about you. Realistically, it's about our listeners. And we want our podcast to grow organically. And so we, we do that using you. Uh, your word of mouth is everything. I mean, if you know anything about business, uh, the best type of marketing is word of mouth. Fact. So with you guys heavily involved in, in telling friends about us, we will grow. And we have grown. You know, we have 24 recorded episodes with well over 10,000 plays, Ugh, which is huge. It's crazy. And that's been done with, we just started an Instagram page. That's right. just us being like, hey, we're going to do a podcast. <laughs> that's just you telling me to start it. I mean, going, oh, yeah, I have to be an adult. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's really about that. In terms of guests, we're open to guests, but we're a little selfish. We really enjoy our own company. And the company that we want is typically like-minded. Yeah. So we're open to guests. We're open to suggestions. If there's somebody that you want to see uh, specifically, then obviously drop a mention. And we will. It's like a radio show, right? Yeah. You call up, you request your favorite song. Wow. And you know what? Honestly, if if, if people just, I bet I can figure it out to get that person. We got fucking Eddie Cohen and fucking... Brian Carroll, Stu McGill, Dave Tate. Get I'm, the fuck out of here. Get the fucking get best, you piece I of want, shit. Yeah. Like, well, you want anybody. more? Yeah. You want me to dig somebody up? <laughs> Beethoven got you, bro. We're going to be weird about it. Oh, that'd be sick, though. That's good perspective. Thank you, Johnny. You're yeah, the fucking man. You call in, you request your favorite song. Maybe they don't play it. Fuck off. Or maybe they will. <laughs> or maybe they will. <laughs> and you'll be so hype. You'll hit the little record play button at the same time. <laughs> you won't know what that is. You're too young. Yeah, Ugh, fucking stupid young idiot. Anybody remember the cassette? Not anyone. Not anyone. Yeah, no, us. It's just us. <laughs> we, we created the cassette player. <laughs> the facts. Here we are. Still making money off that. <laughs> for <laughs> for the competitive athlete, this is for you. Uh, for the competitive athlete, where does one best draw the threshold for training life balance? In your own situation, how do you mix fun? Into being both a business owner, clan leader, and athlete. <laughs> Fun. Fuck. <laughs> um, you remember the movie Gladiator? Go on. Because it's one of the greatest movies. One of the best movies. And I forgot his fucking name. He has that assistance. He's like, well, what would you do? And he goes, sometimes I do what I want to do. And most of the time I do what I have to do. Mm. And I've said that many times in my life. That is the conundrum of leadership. Most of the time you're just doing what you have to do. And when you do what you have to do, it's not fun. It's not. It's a responsibility in a sense of like being a job. Um, feeling for somebody else's feelings and endeavors is not fun. Mm. Um, caring about somebody sometimes is not fun. Um, taking their sadness home with you is not fun. Taking their injuries home with you and their anxiety and their fears because if you're a leader and, and, and a business owner and a coach, you take others' energies with you. Um, and that's true. Anybody in a kind of like Therapy setting will tell you the same. Um, but you do these things because when you do have that pocket of opportunity to have fun and to express yourself, it is that much, much, much more rich with value and depth. Um, I would say that there's no such thing as a balance and like there's no such thing as multitasking. We do understand that there's no such thing as multitasking. You're just doing things rapidly. You can't be doing something at the same time. Your brain just goes back and forth 
And that is what it is to be an athlete, a leader, a family member, you know, a business owner, whatever. All of us have a lot of masks. Sometimes one role will require more from you and it will pull from the others. And that is the way it needs to be. And if you're surrounded by people that don't understand that, then they don't need to be around you. They don't have the vision of life. You cannot be a great manager at work and be an amazing boyfriend or girlfriend. You can't. Because the energy it takes for you to care about your employees and your staff and their personal shit and their bad moods and their heartbreaks and their anxieties and their criticisms of you and their, you know they're texting about you and you come home with that, you cannot be the best partner. You can't. You know, there's sometimes I get home and I'm just a fucking monster because I'm so, I'm so tired. And it's reality. That's reality. You can't be the best employee. And in essence, if you become the best partner you can be, you can't be the best leader you can be because all of your energy is going into your partner. And then you get to your job and you just don't, you're drained. But it's in that back and forth and that ebb and flow and that balance where you really find that that is the beauty of life. There is no consistent, nothing consistently goes forward. It's our effort that is forward. It's effort. When I say forward, and a lot of people have, have a misconception. The word forward is, is a spiritual conscious motivator. Nothing moves forward in the sense of its micro, its micro movements. Its macro concept is forward. You know, this up and down concept. So when it comes to balance, yeah, you will, the beauty is to fall in love with the fight for balance, the process. The give a little bit to be a leader, be a little shittier of an athlete. It's time to be a better athlete, you're starting to meet in the middle. But then guess what? You're now not being the best partner you can be. Put a little bit more work into the being a partner, but guess what? Being a leader comes down, and so does being an athlete. But then guess what's going up? Being an employee because you're happier at home. So you're a better employee, but guess what? Now being a fucking leader is kind of going down. But being an athlete's better because you're being better at work, which means you have more money, which means you have more shoes, <laughs> which means you have more gear. But guess what? There's a balance. Yeah. It's like, those, you ever seen those volume things on a on a recording scale like this shit? Oh, uh, like yeah. You guys can't see that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, technology. Like yeah, you see that live? And I tell people like that, it's, it's falling in love with that. Mm. Or at least telling yourself. Um, there is no balance. It is the fight for balance that you should fall in love with. Mm. And surround yourself with people that understand it. And if they don't understand it, then teach them. Hey, you know what? You're right. But you know when you're better to me, you know, suffer at work? That's okay. But it's okay to come back and forth and somebody, some days you need your shoes tied. And you need dinner cooked. And you need a, how was your day? And some days I just want to go into a quiet corner and it's okay. I'm going to be here tomorrow, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And that's how I talk to my athletes. So some days I walk into the gym and everyone knows, like, oh, shit, my ass pissed. Because I'm just bad day. Then I have my coffee and shit, you know what I'm saying? But these are the concepts you need to use. Sure. This is how I feel about that. So I hope that answered that question. I felt like it was solid and loaded, like per usual. Wow. Anyone going to give us a fucking so break here? Yeah. God damn it. Stop digging into my goddamn emotions. <laughs> so to kind of piggyback on that, um, Yazzie had a uh, question. That's good. Uh, fully aware that sacrifice needs to be made, but is there a point where it goes too far in order to achieve a goal? For example, qualifying for a state championship in a sport you actively training, train in, sorry. 
<clears throat> this is good. This is piggybacking of what we just said. Mm-hmm. Um, some people will say that there's no such thing as sacrifice if it's something you love. I always say that you cannot have love if you don't understand sacrifice. So th- let's understand a, lo- a few perspectives of the term sacrifice. Um, because some people say, oh, if you really love it, is it sacrifice? I'm like, oh, no, it is. And it's the only reason why you love it so much is because you identify the sacrifice you put into it, like a relationship or a job or training. You know, when I wake up and I'm like, man, my body hurts, I'm like, man, I really love, you know, being an athlete because look at what I've done to myself. Mm-hmm. And this is why I speak about it so highly, like with such love and passion. Um, <laughs> You have to identify how important things are for you. And if you're going to call yourself an athlete or a weightlifter or a strongman or a powerlifter, understand that the weight of words matter. Look at our current climate. Words matter. Semantics matter. Posts matter. Visuals matter. Your body language matters. The way you look at things and the way you stand and what you stand with matter. And you need to have that perspective when you look in the mirror. Do you look at yourself like, okay, I'm a fucking strongman. I am a strong man. I love this fucking sport. I love it. I love it. State championships is it for me. Like going out with my friends doesn't matter. It's always going to be there, but not this opportunity. Right. You know, it's, uh, what does ET always say? Um, make the lifetime of the opportunity and the lifetime of the opportunity, something like that. Like make up, make it happen when it's there. Because you're not going to get this ever again. If that's how you view the sport, then you do understand that that pathway comes as sacrifice and you need to fucking get after it. There's no managing there. There is. That's what I just said before. If you want to be a state championship, there is no managing your lifestyle. That's all that matters. Yeah. Weightlifting, dieting, training, rehabbing, resting, you know, getting your micronutrients, talking about it, sleeping about it, watching it all day to the point where your friends don't really want to hang out with you or maybe they're just giving you your space. Um, you need to identify the level of importance and what needs to take the volume up on the knob and the rest needs to go down. You need to be honest with yourself. Now, if you're like, yeah, I mean, I like being a state championship, but I also like going out with my friends on Friday. I'm like, well, <laughs> you don't like it that much. or You don't love it that much. And identifying these things and knowing that when you go full tilt into anything, it's all sacrifice. Mm. There is no moderation. Champions were not built in moderation fact legends were not built on moderation fact you cannot moderate greatness i don't give a fuck what you say <laughs> and those people have died and will die with great loss and an inner sadness that probably makes them very valuable as human beings because when you rise to the top you lose a lot of things and you lose a lot of things in yourself and uh, intangibles and family members and passions and stories and experiences because you chase the top but that's the price, and that's the only way it should be viewed. Well said. Excellent. Uh, what's another good one I saw? So many. Yeah, I know. Um, this is from Fresh Prince of Miami. Been planning. <laughs> what a fucking name, huh? Yeah, for real. I don't know, but I like the name. <laughs> Been planning on having my own facility or gym in the future for years now. My money's been being saved up. Uh, and searching for where I would settle to start, most likely outside of Miami. What is your advice, legally, financially, and marketing-wise, for someone looking to operate a successful gym for years to come? (laughs) 
Don't do it. <laughs> okay, what? Um, first of all, owning a gym is not lucrative. Mm. So let's be real. You're in the most gym-obsessed city in the world, maybe outside of California, in the world. I don't think there's a, a per square mile as many gyms ever anywhere. Maybe New York just because of its space. Uh, you need to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And you have to love what you're doing. You have to love it bigger than yourself. I will advise to you that if you're, and I don't think you are, but if you're going to open up a gym for the sense of money or long-term success or retirement, uh, you're in the wrong fucking business. You open up a gym because it is what you love to do. You open up a business in something because that's what you feel you were born to do, to change lives. Somehow. And as cliche as it sounds, it's true. And then what you're going to do with that platform and the responsibility you have as a coach and as a leader and the effect you're going to have on people's lives. That's what I'm going to tell you as far as the intangibles. Understand that people will see right fucking through you if you open up that gym just for money. And guess what? You'll probably be out in two years. Fact. Because you can buy all the fucking shit you want. But if you never loved it and never built a culture and never built a community and never were the right way, you're fucking on the streets. I've seen it a million fucking times. Number two, start small. Start small, start practical. A gym that really wants to last will never be because of the fucking equipment. Never. Ever. You can have that, but that doesn't build culture. It doesn't build history and legacy. It is your effort. It is your discipline. It is your passion showing up every day and giving a shit. Those aren't barbells and 45-pound plates. Start small, start controlled, and put yourself in a situation where you're not so stressed out about paying bills that you can't coach because you're so mad that you can't feed yourself. And then be involved in the community. I'd like to see uh, Fresh Prince of Miami at every fucking powerlifting meet I've ever seen. I want to see you at all my events. I want to see you at every powerlifting event in the state. I want to see you at strongman events. I want to see you in charitable events. I want to see you buying shirts and reposting and being active. That's what we did. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. Every fucking meet in the state for the last eight years I've pretty much been, or somebody in my, in my community has been. Every charitable event, which we started a lot of them with the BV guys and on our own. Every strongman event, everything. Be involved. Be a part of your community. Walk the walk. Lead the way. Show me that you're everywhere all the time to the point where like, Jesus, is this fucking guy again? Yeah, that's me, man. Loading your plates, Mike. You can call me MDLP. No, I'm going to call you Mike. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> and now everyone's like, MDLP? I'm like, yeah, man, I've been at this all the time, and we're still out here, dude. We're mm -hmm. still at every fucking meet, even out of state and across the goddamn pond, bro. All the time. Your life has to be about this all the time. That's my advice to you, bro. Be about it to the point where I'm just, man, this guy's everywhere again? Mm. Because if, if you need to be known, it's not about your followers. Trust me. It's about being in the community. Trust me. I, I would say as someone who deals with a lot of new business and a lot of uh, operational sides of starting new business, look into different gyms that are successful. What are they doing that's the same? What are they doing that's different? Understand that your first years in business, probably two to three, maybe four, you're going to eat shit. You're going to yep. eat shit. You're oh. not going to make a fucking dime. Shit sandwiches. In fact, if you don't understand capital, you're going to really be in a bad spot because you're going to be spending beyond your means and you're going to be in the red every year. 
And that's not good. The okay. gym, opening your own gym, your own business, it's a celebration to be in the black. And that means breaking even. Just breaking even. <laughs> and um, people are living a good fucking life just making sure their bills are paid. Yo, man. Right. Imagine, imagine following your passion just to break even. You better love it. <laughs> you better fucking love it. When you can get a job doing whatever the fuck, making more mm. with benefits and retirement and insurance and, you you know, paying yourself, like getting paid every two weeks. What a luxury. <laughs> yeah. And people don't, don't get how fucking amazing that is. A small detail of marketing is a, a great example is something that you find uh, similar in both uh, BV Miami and the Battle X gym. Everyone who wears a shirt can tell you the history and the why of that different platform. 100%. And that is the best marketing you can do is when someone can give someone else, a stranger, a speech about why. Oh, I, I'm wearing this shirt. I've rocked these guys. I support these guys because they do this for the community. The Battle X Gym, I train there. It's li- unlike any other place I've been. And that's why I go. And here's why you should go. Mm-hmm. And they will do the marketing for you. And guess what that'll cost you? Not a fucking dime. Nothing. And Fuck that's yeah. the best marketing you can do. So I hope that helps. And I hope that, if you, as, as we said, if you do get involved, it's for the right reasons. All right, time to hammer down. You ready for the heavy stuff? <laughs> um, Gabe, father of our number one, Gabby Jr., he wants to talk about... Uh, He'd like to hear some tips on transitioning back into the gym life injury-free for those that got quarantined, weren't able to uh, gym like they were accustomed to. And then I think he had another question. He had a second one in the comments. Yeah, do that, and I'll pull up the other one because I want to word it right. So I saw a few people talking about this, um, transitioning back into normality. First of all, uh, pretend to be humble. And start slow. Uh, go through your main movements. Get your range of motion back. I would say I would say go start at about sixty percent. If you are a person that understands your efforts, your max efforts, start about sixty percent for some volume. Anything between like maybe eight and below as far as reps. Get a lot of accessory work. I would put, probably put unilateral and accessory work over your complex movements, just because you're probably very imbalanced from sitting down or doing a lot of body weight stuff. Or being stressed or, you know, some people took to a lot of running and biking. You're not necessarily in lifting shape. And then being more importantly, just slowing it down and getting your rhythm back. Um, Set yourself out for a four to six week goal of getting back before you get back to where you were. Your strength is there. If if it was life and death situation, you'd probably be fine. But give yourself a good chance to get back. Get your blood flow. Think about it as as more as like getting your range of motion. Um, getting good sets of like maybe five sets of six, which is great. And just, you can even do five, three, one and keep it really simple or five by five the whole fucking month. Um, and try to just enjoy what every single fucking person was crying about. <laughs> like not having a fucking chill. Go enjoy it. You're two months off eating like dog shit because most of you were drinking a lot because most of us were. Mm. Um, That's so good. <laughs> I drank more after. <laughs> and, um, and 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 get back into just enjoying it, feeling good, working on your technique. This is like what I'm saying. In times of peace, prepare for war. Build yourself up. 
rehab those things, those stiff joints, and, and, and then get back to what you think you were. Absolutely. Uh, on a side note, if you're on offer up selling uh, weights for three to four times the going rate, you're a piece of shit. Fuck you. I reported you. You're the people we talked about. And I hope all the bad things in the world yeah. happen to you and only you. You are taking advantage of the situation. Being a piece of shit. You fuck, fuck you. So, anyways, I spent like a whole day <laughs> reporting like ten people. <laughs> yeah, hell, fuck yeah, fuck that. I had time that day. Kettlebell for three hundred dollars reported. <laughs> yep. Because I strive to be a level petty that will make people proud. <laughs> proud, um, proud petty. <laughs> Gabe also asked, based on what's going on in the world, and in the recent developments with CrossFit, he's a CrossFitter, so. Uh, also in the world of strongman, can you speak to the race relations in strongman? Strongman, any racism uh, witnessed and experienced? And I would say to compound onto that, um, your opinion on the diversity of races uh, in strength sports as a whole. Well, what is it? This is a deep one, uh, and it might be a controversial answer, but I'm ready. I don't necessarily think that racism is going to go anywhere. Um, say what you want. There's going to be an inherent, almost genetical, genetical, a genetic concept of either fearing or just neglecting or feeling some type of way about somebody who's not your color, your height, your, your, your religion, your gender. Your sexual orientation, there's, there's always going to be something. I think it's our job to manage it and to educate in this situation. To tell people, there's going to be some people out there that judge you because you're black or Hispanic or brown or white or whatever. But that doesn't make you lesser than them. You're just as good, if not better. You're you're loved. You're cherished. Um, and those concepts are eternal. And those concepts of working for something and understanding that is, I believe, why the strength sport and the strength community is so incredibly valuable. Because we finally found a culture or race that is completely performance-based. And you can get on that platform and be anything and anyone. And you could have been a piece of shit criminal and still get up there and prove something to, s to yourself and to everyone around you. Have I seen racism in strength sports? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Try speaking Spanish in fucking the middle of Alabama mm -hmm. or southwestern Pennsylvania. Try it. Mm. <laughs> then I'm, you know, it doesn't matter. But do I think that for the general, the strength community is racist? I would say no. Because we finally found the place where we can prove ourselves and be loved and be a shining example of hard work and 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 perseverance and passion that transcends race, culture, religion. It is the only, maybe, sports is one of the only values, the credible path where we can see through color and past and, 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 and everything. And it's so fucking beautiful to see that. And, and I'll speak for myself as a strong man. I have seen all sorts of shit. And I have heard whispers and I had stopped some shit and I have put people in their fucking places. But for the most part, and I'll say this truly, for the most part, I love our community. Yeah. I truly do, man. I have been to fucking Podunk counties and middle of cities. And it's a beautiful thing to watch somebody judge for their performance and nothing else. For their for their effort and for their passion. Mm -hmm. 
I, I wish all life was like that, but it's not going to be like that. But at least we have an outlet where we can learn that feeling that we are loved and respected for effort. Um, and I'll say that the current climate will never taint sports like that. Not at least not in our world. In fact, we'll probably become even better for it. And I hope that those guys, people who are listening right now, go go back into their environment and their gyms and their community and remember why the fuck we got into these sports in the fucking first place. Because we didn't want to be viewed for who we thought the world thought we were. Or some fat kid that got picked on. Or some black girl that, you know, wasn't strong enough. Or some Hispanic kid that can't speak English. Or because you were too short or too fat or too sh- or too slow. You know, we got in the sport because we knew that if we worked hard enough, we can be a difference and we can be somebody. And you know what? Some of us really are. and Some of you guys really, really are. And I hope that that, that passion never uh, dies because I believe that's the best way, if any, to either eradicate racism or to manage it and push it away further away from what really matters which is character well said i hope that kind of answered that question because that's a big one yeah um but i really i really truly believe that this is a this sport is a breeding a a passion and education for us Mm. i'd like to add be mindful of what you fucking say oh god fuck yeah it's simple and part of the problem is people don't get punched in the mouth like I did <laughs> as a child whenever I said shit. something stupid. And and, and here, <laughs> this is the beauty of sport. When you say something, it also reflects on what you do. And when you do bad things, you don't make it in the sport. You either get hurt or you quit. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that reflects upon the culture. And eventually, you, know, you can talk all the shit you want, but you have to put up. And yeah. that breeds a particular type of people that I like to be around. Uh, Vinny D. Jr. had a kind of tie-on question to this. Go on. <clears throat> As the saying goes, tough times breed tough men. Do you feel that the current times we are in will breed a tougher generation? Or do you feel like the younger generation are headed into being pussies <laughs> <laughs> and possibly ruining this great nation? <laughs> I feel uh, like we should have one of those wigs anytime we read this great nation. Now, sir. Hello. I would say that every generation will tell the younger generation that they're pussies. Yep. I can tell you right now that a World War II vet will probably literally laugh <laughs> at my entire life. Yeah. You know, I, I fucking bent the door of my Bronco this morning and I'm like, my life is over. I'm pretty sure that in the 40s, they would have just built a new door. He had like a blacksmith shop. <laughs> And this dude knew how to use a fucking hammer and this tremendo fucking artist. And I'm over here like, ah, I don't know what to do. I need help, right? Um, I believe every generation will always look back and say that. I can tell you right now that the generation that came before us was like, oh, you fucking millennials and your pussy shit and all your feelings. I'm like, okay. I believe that perspective is inherently dangerous because I think Gary Vee has always said it. Identifying that the generation before us is pussies we have to identify that if they're pussies, it's our fault. You cannot look at something that came after you and think that it has nothing to do with you. That's completely, it's completely selfish and it's almost insane. It happens because it's a lot easier to say to somebody or that next generation, you're a pussy, than go, I didn't teach you right. Damn. And I, I don't like that perspective. 
it's a lot easier to brush off something that is going to make you look inwardly like a rebel and say, did I teach this person? Did I talk to them? And more, more importantly, did I listen to them? Did I hear their problems? And if they, those problems seem minuscule to you, remember when you were 13, 15, when your biggest issue was because a certain girl didn't pass you a note or somebody made fun of your shoes. That was your biggest issue in life. That's laughable. It's laughable because a 35-year-old go, you're an idiot. As opposed to, it's okay, man. But learn from that because that's going to build your character. So when things get harder, you're going to be a lot more smart. And it's our job to teach the younger generation, but it's also our job to listen to them and to remember what we were doing at their age. I have a lot of young people in my gym, 21, 19, 16, children, fucking kids. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I forget that. <laughs> like it's like if you can bench press 225, I'm like, you're a grown-ass man. But they're children. They're yeah. confused. Their problems are petty. That doesn't make them lesser than me. It doesn't make them softer than me. They're just they're growing into a shell. I shouldn't shut off my light. Instead, I should ask them questions. Well, what do you feel about that? Or what are you going to do with that? And they're going to say ridiculous things because that's what people say when they're 15 years younger than you, 20 years younger than you. Mm-hmm. And you advise them, and you teach them, and you say, "Yeah, I used to say that, but I also think this too." It's not that our generation is going to necessarily generate. I can tell you right now, compared to the people in the seventies and eighties, we're pussies. We are pussies. We have a fucking cell phone for every goddamn problem we have. We, and if you're in your thirty, twenties, thirties, and forties, it's we. You have a cell phone for all you can do. You don't know how to change a fucking tire. You can barely repair your own fucking car. Can you build your own house? Can you hunt? Like, it's, we have a lot. I can go through a list of shit that I'm not good at. Yeah. That I'm like, fuck. <laughs> but instead, if that person goes, hey, Mike, you're not good at this, let me show you. Mm. You don't know how to change a tire? You're a stupid idiot. No. Let me teach you how to change a tire, dog. I just learned how to change my oil in my Bronco this year. How embarrassing. I'm 35 years old. Instead of getting picked apart, he's like, let me show you. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do to the next kid that tells me that? Bro, let me show you. And that's a trickle-down effect. That is a lighthouse concept. You're right, man. Every generation's getting a little bit softer. But we're softer, too. We're softer, too. We're, <laughs> we are. And it's that understanding and that asking and that understanding from within that should help you help them. Mm. Because people need... I've been looking around the world right now, and people just need fucking guidance, man. You know, like, if people are posting some shit where I'm like, I just think you're confused. I don't think you're generally that person. I just think you're scared, yeah, or you're just worried, or you're you're intimidated. But th- that doesn't make them bad people. Weren't you ever intimidated in your fucking life? I was. Yeah, sure. I did some shit where I'm like, I'm just being peer pressured to do this. This is not me. I'm scared, and that can happen at 16 to 55 or 90. Yeah, and that's not okay. It's okay, man. Like, hey, I get it, dog. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna completely judge you for it. Let me let me teach you, again, mastery. Or I can just be like. You're just a stupid millennial and you're a pussy. And close that door and make my black and white decision. And that comes from experience. But what is mastery? I get where you're coming from, man. But let me show you a different walk of life. Let me teach you something real quick. And take what you can from it. Like my mentors did to me. And I believe that that is the only way we're going to move forward as a culture. And it really does come down to right now what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Reaching back and helping others. And honestly man some people just don't know any better i'm not condoning dumbasses please understand (laughs) 
I'm not saying that there's not some fucking dumbass bad people out there, but there's a lot of people that need help because you know what? Look back at your life and look how many people reached out to you. That's not fair that suddenly you're like, well, you're stupid. I'm not going to reach my hand out. It's too much work. Imagine if the world treated you like that. Fuck out of here. No way. I think it's a a good proponent of understanding the responsibilities of leadership. A good example. When we lost my stepfather, my two brothers are both teenagers. They went off the rails. Understandably so. They had lost their lighthouse. They had lost essentially their world. So they started acting out. Because they're grasping at straws trying to figure out what life now is. And firstly, I wanted to react with like, you don't know the permanence of what has happened to you. And five years from now when you wake up and you can't make that phone call, you'll fucking get it. And while the family was kind of hard on them, I started peeling myself back a little bit. And I was like, wait a minute. These guys have only seen this much of the world, you know, a small glimpse of what the world truly is. Why are we pounding on them so hard on their lives that have no experience other than this? This is their only hardship, and it is one of the worst in the world, and we're hammering them. And I think that when you grow as a person, when you grow as a leader, a father, relationship, whatever you're into, it's understanding that people with less experience are not stupid. They need more guidance, exactly as you said. And that is your responsibility as a leader. I, and everyone's a leader. Everyone is like, oh, I wasn't born a leader. Or, and if you look in your life somewhere, there's somebody somewhere out there look, that looks up to you. And maybe the term leader is, you know, maybe I just wouldn't give it to anybody because I'm selfish. But you're leading somebody. You're guiding somebody. True. You're the lighthouse for something or someone out there, whether it's your fucking dog who wants you to wake up every morning and feed them because something that's alive depends on you and loves you. Or you have a family or a career or your management and people look to you to come in with a smile on your face because, you know, you woke up that next day. And that can make the difference between their whole day being great or their whole day being dog shit. And, yeah, you're, it's, it's just it's guidance. It's okay. It's okay to look at the world and be like, God, I can see a lot of people lately. Everybody's so stupid. You know, why are they doing this and why are they doing that? I'm like, God, we're all stupid. We have all done stupid things. Like, how can you just shut the door down? When so many doors were open for you, like, did you forget? That's what we say. Did you forget where you came from? Mm. Nobody was born this fucking good. I don't know if you guys know, but Dave Tate also said that on our podcast. Oh, we need the voice clip. So, you know, go back and listen to that. Listen to this first so that you know to go back and listen Listen to to this one first. And then tell all of your friends. And then listen to the rest of them all the way up. Literally literally everyone. Tell everyone you know, even if they don't like it. Oh, man. We rapid fire or? Yeah, let's, let's. uh, (sighs) That was a big one. You know, yeah. And the thing is. Did we miss any other ones? Yes. We did, right? Yeah. Fuck. Because this is what we do. We're going to, we're going to do a rapid fire and then. You know, kind of, because there's a lot of questions here that I think uh, are good, and they're small, and then we'll let you send us off in, in our vessel. The space. You can no, you're gonna put us out to sea. 
Did you put us in space? We were just oh. a boat like 10 <laughs> minutes ago. Oh, I can see some that I can just hammer out real quick. So let's see. Um, I can't even see this. Lifting Archer. Go on. What's your why? Uh, myself. Because <laughs> I think you can't move forward unless you know why you're doing it to yourself. All right. What do you wish you had known when you started as a business owner? That this is going to be the hardest thing in the world. What is something you've failed at and how did you overcome that obstacle? I failed myself by almost ruining my relationship between selfish and lack of perspective. I overcame by being a communicative person and understanding that truly I am not as strong as I think I am sometimes. How do you hope to impact your audience? Um, to make them question themselves and look inwardly every day, all the time. That was good. How do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things within your role? I don't like to consider myself somebody who's on top of their, anything. In fact, I just wanted to continue to learn knowing that I have to continue to climb and crawl as much as I can. Learning should be a constant perspective and a struggle. I don't want to consider myself on top of anything ever. In the last year, what has been your biggest failure and why do you think that happened? My biggest failure is to lose perspective on where I came. I have moments of doubt and I have moments of depression and I have moments of wanting to give up. And those micro moments end up becoming macro moments. I overcame this by realizing that those simple moments are why I am who I am and why actually people like me. And there's some people out there that respect me and to continuously remind myself that I am valuable outside of my own head. What are some of the things you're researching the most right now? Patience. Shit. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> so good. Who has been a big influence on you? Uh, Wesley Carroll, my Muay Thai coach. The, probably one of the biggest influencers of, my, of all time. He showed me He showed me what I was capable of doing and who I truly was in my 20s when I could have been anything and anyone. Instead of him telling me to be like somebody else, he told me to be myself. He taught me to be me. Well done. Damn. Nice. That was raw, huh? I uh, there's uh, there's a couple few other ones. Let's ask questions about PRP. I'm gonna say PRP is what I'm doing on Tuesday on my knee. It should be a last resort. Um, it should be something that you should therapy your way into. Um, don't take it don't take it for granted. Don't take it as a as a get out of jail free card, but instead view it as an addition to what you should be doing daily, which is building your strengths, understanding these concepts. Um, and, and being stronger in that sense as far as going in there prepared. I got another question here from Miami Movement. He's the guy that works for me. Yes. And he talks about strength is important not just in sports but in life. I think he meant in the physical aspect. I think strength is good because obviously bone dexterity, being an athlete, being strong enough to maintain yourself, both young and old, one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest ways of, of death is falling when you're older. And that becomes of a loss of muscle dexterity and density um, and hurting yourself and not having that bone density from lifting weights and a cracked hip leads to the hospital visit, which ends up aging you quickly. And often a lot of people die from that. I've seen it because as a social worker, that's what I saw. You crack a femur and you're you're done. Basically, you start getting UTIs, you get infections and you start getting flus and pneumonias and you're out. Yes, you could say strength is everything. <laughs> 
You can. You can. Um, here's one that I really wanted to touch base on is Tomer asked me. Um, mm. Shout out to Tomer. Is God. as a veteran in the sport of strongman, do you have any concerns for the direction of the sport is headed as it gains popularity and becomes more mainstream? I think popularity in general should always come with a sense of caution. I believe, though, that a lot of the people who are gaining popularity also come from a place of responsibility because strongman is a, st- a blue-collared sport where people breed into your respect um, by the work that you put in. I think that us remaining relatively small, even at our greatest popularity, we're always going to be not the most popular. And that understanding breeds a responsibility in people who are coming up and voicing their opinions. Yeah, I do hate that some people that shouldn't be talking are talking. It bothers the shit out of me. <laughs> but we can say that about any community. And it doesn't really bother me about, you know, where you're going um, and 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 getting concerned about the minutiae. In general, as a sport, as it grows, I think the respect continues to grow because what matters most is what you actually put out on the day of competition. Um, and I think that's very, very important. And the last question I'm going to tackle before we, we get the fuck out of here. <laughs> as uh, Nicole from the gym, or Nicole too, as we do the, the um, ice cream dealer, is <laughs> who do you think has inspired you the most as an athlete? John Banks. Johnny Banks. Yes. And we're done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I would tell you that I had a lot of ins- like people that inspired me over the years. Um and I used to look at like, you know, um Muay Thai fighters and powerlifters and strongmen, you know, Jan Paul Sigmerson, Big Z, Yakaolo, I looked at powerlifters, Donnie Thompson, obviously, Eddie Cohen, all these guys. Fighters. Um I used to fucking just get into it, man. Tyson, Ali. I used to watch every fucking video all the time. Um, and then I didn't look very far, honestly, for inspiration. Because what ended up coming, and I know it, sounds, it might sound cliche, but I, I started looking towards my parents. And their, their ability to never quit. They never quit on each other. They still don't quit on us. They don't quit on their children. They don't quit on their beliefs. They don't quit on their efforts. They don't quit on their love. I've been very fortunate in, lo- in, life, in life to be gifted with two really good parents, loving uh, beyond measure. I used to look outwardly into these physical forms, courage, you know, Mike Tyson and his tenacity, Muhammad Ali and his wit and his ability to psychologically just destroy somebody before a fight um, to make his training so fucking hard. You know, young Paul Sigmerson with his... Is showmanship and how much that would throw other people off. Um, I used to look at Jerry Rice, who was, quote, unquote, too old and was still the fucking man. I used to just get lost in that. I used to get, uh, if you don't remember, if you're really a good fan of soccer, Lothar Mateus, who can lead a team from a defensive position in German soccer and inspire people to be that much better. Um, I used to love that shit. And I started to look a little bit more into my shores and look at everyday life and people that are attainable. And I sometimes just sit and observe what my parents have accomplished over the years with us. And more importantly, because that is what is within me. And I looked at some of their features that I love and I looked at some of their characteristics that I don't want to do. I do want to dare and I do want to be bad sometimes and I do want to push forward. And I do want to break the mold. 
and everything that my mom was denied because she's so fucking humble, I grew in arrogance. And I, it made me grow in confidence and daring. And I wanted to puncture the world because my mother didn't get what she deserved because she was so humble. And my dad, too. And I looked at them for both aspects that I need and aspects that I don't want. And often we will look outwardly into these mountaintops, into these horizons for these giants, these symbols and these idols and these mentors. And a lot of us do it as children. And we paint them in this way and these colors that are unattainable. Who are they? They're so far away. They're so distant. I can only aspire to be like them. When in reality, we've had that example right at home or right within. I know this sounds arrogant. I know it does. And I get it. But I inspire myself every fucking day. And I know some of you are going to hear this shit and be like, this fucking guy. But I've been through my shit. And I've observed, I've observed hardships in my own family, in my own life, right outside of my door and within my doors. And sometimes I get pretty fucking excited that somebody like me can just show up because that's what champions do that I can put on my sleeves or just take a walk around my fucking block because I didn't quit because I've had enough reasons to quit because I've had enough reasons to end it and to just give up and I've tried <laughs> and I failed at that too I've made decisions I've made friends and I've built circles that are unbreakable and have forced a position of responsibility within me that get me up every day you know who did that i did that and then i turned into we and then we turned into us but i did that and i have to talk to myself like that sometimes because you know what when you're in bed by yourself you're right there is no we it's just you and you have to sit down there and listen to yourself for one second that you're worth some shit. That you're not that fucking bad as you think you are. And that the days are not as long as you want them to be. And that you have to look inwardly, inside, and not so far into that mountaintop, but dig deep within that coal mine inside your soul and harvest what you need. And to give yourself a fucking compliment because you woke up. And if you're listening to this show and you're listening to these words, you're not that big of a piece of shit. Trust me. And I remind myself of that all the time. So I wish I could tell you that it was this superhero perspective. Maybe I'm just older. and Maybe I'm just a little bit more dry and responsible. But man, sometimes I just look at myself in the mirror and be like, motherfucker, you got this. This is MDLP. This is the Battle Ox Podcast. Saying, don't be a pussy. Everything ends. Okay, cool, man. So go.